everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm really excited to share today's guest with you. I have an extraordinary woman, Dr. Cleopatra, who is the fertility strategist and executive director of the Fertility and Pregnant Institute with me today to have a very honest and real conversation about fertility and just our overall health. And this episode is important for both men and women. Before I dive in, I just want to remind you of how you can really shift your nutrient intake, your diet in a very, very, very simple way. And that is with Organifi products. You've heard me talk about Organifi before. I love their products, all organic superfood products that you can put in smoothies, you can make hot beverages out of. It's just so delicious. I really love their green juice. I recently had to travel this week and I made sure I had my green juice packets and my immunity packets, had my immunity packets on the plane, make sure I had my green juice packet afterwards to help me detox the plane yuckiness and the radiation and all that stuff. And it's so easy to travel with Organifi. You can also, if you don't like the individual packets, buy things in just their their tubs and scoop it out, put it in your smoothie or your water bottle and load yourself up with delicious nutrients. You get 20% off as my listener. Just go to Organifi.com slash over it. Again, that's Organifi.com slash over it. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash over it for 20% off. Check out all their products, fill up your cart, and then fill up your body with yummy superfood products. One of the common questions I get asked is around fertility, is around biological clocks, is around I want to have a baby, but I haven't met my person, or I'm not sure if I want a baby, or I've had this condition and I don't know if I should try to get pregnant. I get a lot of questions around fertility and pregnancy. And I have a lot of questions around it too. And I searched long and hard for someone that blends both science and heart. I know for me, especially being later in my fertility reproductive years, I don't really want to go to a regular doctor who's just going to tell me because I'm over 35, if I were to get pregnant, it would be a geriatric pregnancy and your eggs decline each year as you get older. And there's just a lot of fear out there. And I'm not here to throw doctors under the bus at all. And in my experience, and I'm sure in many of your experiences, not just doctors, but on the internet and just in common conversation, that's one of the things that's that's out there, that age is the number one thing that impacts our fertility. But there's actually more to the story. And Dr. Cleopatra is here to give us hope and information. And so for all of you who have been thinking about this, it's been on your mind, both men and women, because remember, it takes a sperm and an egg to make a baby. So the male sperm is just as much a part of the fertility equation. And I love that she brings that into the conversation as well, because so often it's put on women. Now, before I get into reading her bio and sharing the interview with you, I want to say this. There are lots of ways to have children. I do not believe that having your own biological child or a child through your body or your egg or your sperm is the best way to have a child in any way, shape, or form. There are so many children who need to be adopted, have been adopted, and find their soul parents, find the family and the parents that they are most aligned and desiring to be with. I truly believe that, that every soul 
chooses its parents, whether it's biological or adoptive or some other reason. So please know that by sharing this information, I'm in no way, shape, or form saying that the only way to have what Dr. Cleopatra calls your super baby is through your own genes. There are many, many ways to bring your super baby, and she'll explain what that is, into your life. And I know a lot of you want to at least try to have your own biological child. Often it's because you have a partner that you really want to share that experience with. For a lot of women, the initiation and rite of passage of pregnancy and childbirth is something that we feel really called to do. And I also want to say, if you have zero desire to have children, that does not make you any less of a person. And specifically, it doesn't make you any less of a woman. And for those who desire it, who really want this, I know that the information Dr. Cleopatra is going to present is going to help you take a deep exhale. That's why I respect and truly love her so much is her calming presence and her years and years of research really helped debunk so many of the fertility and health myths we've bought into because fertility is, is often a representation of our general health. So any efforts we make in extending our reproductive health, having increased fertility, not just to get pregnant and stay pregnant, but to have a really healthy baby are all ways that we just become healthier. One of the things that we discuss in this episode is Dr. Cleopatra's Prime Mester program. It's her eight module program that I'm currently going through to really learn and absorb all her information. Anybody that I endorse on the show, I like to go through what they're teaching so I can be like, yep, this is the real deal before I share it with my very beloved audience. And you can go and check out her Primester Protocol. It's a course that you can enroll in at any time. It's not a rolling launch. And when you enroll, you get all the information at once and it's, it's yours to keep. So it's not like one of those courses that you feel, oh man, I have to keep up or, you know, I'm behind. It's just, it's yours. You own it. And that's it. And it's important for, even if you aren't even considering having a child for years and years and years, it's really, I think, very crucial to get this information so that you can start making improvements on your overall health. So if, and when you decide that you do want to conceive, then you are ready. You're, you've been primestering for a while. I so wish I would have had Dr. Cleopatra's primester protocol 10 years ago, but we've got it now and you can go check it out at christinehassler.com slash Dr. Cleo, D-R- C-L-E-O. Again, christinehassler.com slash Dr. Cleo, D-R-C-L-E-O. So the mission of the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, which Dr. Cleopatra runs, is to see what others can't see using the best of love, science, and commitment to help ensure that your fertility keeps up with your high achieving life so you get to have as many super babies as your heart desires. Dr. Cleopatra is a scientist and university professor specializing in fertility, pregnancy, and how health is transmitted from one generation to the next. To date, she's received nearly $3 million in grant funding from the National Institutes of Health, the National Science Foundation, and many more. Dr. Cleopatra has been cited over a thousand times in the past five years alone. She teaches people about the prime master, the magical and powerful window of opportunity before pregnancy, when we literally have the power to change the quality and expression of the genes we pass down to our babies and grandbabies, meaning we can change the quality and expression of our eggs and sperm. 
Using the science-based, big-hearted Primester protocol developed and refined by Dr. Cleopatra over the past 24 years, the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute helps women all over the world reverse reproductive aging, get pregnant quickly and easily, reduce miscarriage risk, and finally having the baby they've been dreaming about. She's also the author of the forthcoming book, Primester to Your Super Baby, and she's a tenured professor and mama of three. So enjoy my heartfelt conversation with Dr. Cleopatra. Dr. Cleopatra, it is such a joy. I'm literally smiling ear to ear (laughs) (laughs) knowing that I get to share you with my community. Thank you so much for being here today. It is mutual. I'm so excited to be here with you, Christine, and so excited to be here with your beautiful community. Mm. And as I said in the intro, you are a unicorn because you are very, very special in terms of being able to combine science and decades of research and study Mm. with this incredible heart-centered approach to a topic that is sensitive for a lot of people, which is fertility. And I know a lot of my listeners, maybe they've already had their kids or decided they didn't want to have their kids or are thinking about it or really, really want a child but haven't met their person yet or, you know, want a child, but maybe are in their 20s and early 30s and building their career, but feeling this incredible pressure. So the the intention of our conversation today is to help people take a breath of relaxation, take a deep exhale, Mm -hmm. because what Dr. Cleopatra is amazing at is giving you reassurance based on actual accurate information. And Mm -hmm. what I want to start with is the amazing statistic that you share about the truth of infertility. Can we start there? Yes, this is so important. Thank you for starting here because I want to shout it from the rooftops that for the most part, quote unquote, infertility is a social construction. We have developed this term and given a lot of people this diagnosis and a lot of people are walking around with this label and this belief about themselves when in fact there are very few human beings in the world who are truly infertile. And we know from cross-national data that those are data that compare different countries and different populations to one another and also epidemiological studies that only about 2% plus or minus one. So let's estimate on the high end. The high end would be approximately 3% of human beings are truly sterile or truly infertile. And this means that they truly cannot have children. Mm -hmm. Which gives a lot of hope to people that may be scared that they're infertile or scared that they have fertility challenges. I think, uh, you know, I hear from a lot of listeners, oh, my friend's going through IVF or my friend just had a miscarriage and I'm really scared and I feel like I need to freeze my eggs and I feel like I, you know, need to like find my person and maybe I won't wait for the love of my life. Maybe I'll just wait for someone Mm -hmm. who's good enough because I feel this (laughs) this pressure. Um, So we're going to get to all of that. Before we start to unpack questions about fertility, one of the most common questions I'm sure you get, which is like, how old is too old to have kids mm-hmm. and many others. What I find incredibly moving is why this work is so important to you. Will you share a little bit about your personal story that got you so passionate about people having the family of their dreams? 
I will. I'm actually, I'm on a little road trip with my family and we have another family with us. Our son, our oldest is an incredible soccer player and is on a special team and his best friend is on that team. So we're on this road trip together and we are having a conversation about work and, and one of the parents was saying, you know, at this point in my life, I've just kind of I just kind of am where I am in terms of career and work. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm so opposite of that. Like Mm -hmm. I cannot stop even if I wanted to. This work, this mission wakes me up in the morning at five in the morning every single day. And it's just so in me and, and so powerfully within me. And I think it's because of how I came to this work in the first place. I lost my own mother at birth and my beautiful young mother was only 27 years old when she died giving birth to me and my identical twin sister. And I can remember by about five or six years old, having such a clear understanding that it is very painful when reproduction doesn't go well. It is one of the most painful things in the world. And having this burning desire inside of me to figure out what it was that I could do to help ensure that reproduction could go well for as many families as humanly possible in the world. And I really started asking questions and observing from that point forward and then formally started doing this work a month after my 18th birthday, went into a pregnancy laboratory at the University of Miami and I never looked back. I got my PhD. I did my postdoctoral training. I went on the tenure track at USC and got tenure and I've had almost $3 million in grant funding. And I've just been spending the past 24 and a half years of my life developing and testing and refining the Primester protocol, which is what we use at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute to help people overcome fertility challenges, reverse their reproductive age, and make their super babies. Mm, mm. So, okay, so many things to unpack in there. Uh, yes. <laughs> for, it's amazing to me how our mission and like our dharma in life is mm-hmm. revealed to us so young. And it often comes from our suffering. I say on the show many times, the original definition of the word passion is suffering, comes from Mm -hmm. the passion of the Christ. And we've evolved the word suffering to mean passion, what we're truly passionate about. And I'm sure for you, losing your mom at birth was, was devastating in many ways and growing up without a mom and knowing that that happened. And, and now that you've, you've taken such a big, huge loss in your life and gone into such empathy around it and made this your life life's work is super inspiring. And you can feel it in your work because I've thank you. Your Primester protocol, which I've done, is absolutely incredible. And there's thank so you. much, there's so much heart and information in that. So so people know what the Primester protocol is. Can you define what a Primester is? Absolutely. Thank you so much for all of that. And uh, I think it's really important that we all get the opportunity to recognize that life doesn't have to be perfect in order to end up being beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say before I go into defining the primester that I, I get thank you messages 
pretty much every single day from mamas and papas and parents of all genders whom we've helped at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute. And I, I never have less of a response to getting those messages, no matter how many times I get them. Mm. And one of the things I always say is that, yes, I, I'm so in so much appreciation that I got to help you and support you and do this with and for you. But also this work saved my life Mm. as well, because if I hadn't found this mission and this purpose, if I hadn't found my Dharma so early in life, for sure, I would not be the woman I am today and have the beautiful marriage I have today and the beautiful super babies. I have three of them so far that I have who I have today because I I would have been so lost without Mm. this Dharma, without this mission. So I want to say to this work, to this mission and to our families, thank you too. Mm. Mm. I feel that way about my tribe as well. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah. So the primester, the primester is defined as the 120 days leading up to conception. And we want to make sure that everyone in the world knows about the primester because it is this magical window of opportunity that is really one of the most important windows of opportunity that we will ever have as human beings, because within this window, we can literally change the expression of our genes through a process called epigenetics, which I can also define in just a moment. And we can use this window of opportunity and this process of epigenetics to change our genetic expression, to overcome fertility challenges to reverse our reproductive age and also to make our super babies and super grandbabies because that genetic expression or our epigenome gets passed down across generations through a process called epigenetic inheritance. And we know that this passes, this crosses at least two generations. We think probably more, but we have scientific data on at least two generations. So the primester it should be thought of as an extension of of your pregnancy. So if you're someone who's planning to get pregnant, you want to take advantage of that window of opportunity leading up to conception and really start living the pregnant life, as we call it at FPI already. Mm-hmm. And it's for men and women or wh- whoever is physically having the baby and the partner. It's Absolutely. for everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. You, we have to remember that when we often think of the biological clock and fertility and the health of, of offspring or children as being the work of moms because women or female identifying people are the ones who, who carry the baby. But we have to remember that our health and the health of our children and our grandchildren is being created before we are ever conceived. Mm -hmm. And it's through our genes and through our genetic expression. And that is not just the work of moms. That is the work of everyone providing DNA and and the epigenome for the baby. So when we talk about super babies, for example, we don't mean anything like designer babies or 
or some, we don't mean that one person's baby is better than another person's baby. When you get to have your super baby, it means that you get to have the healthiest, happiest, brightest, most well-adjusted baby you can possibly have given your genome and your epigenome and that of the other person providing DNA for your baby. Because remember, we're all born with the genes that we're always going to have. We cannot change the genes that we have, but what we can change is how our genes express themselves. And that is the part that affects so much of our health and development and our aging process, including our reproductive aging process. So when we think about it's better to have children younger, as we hear all the time, or if you're over 30 or, or over 35 or over 40, on average, it's going to be harder to get pregnant. It's going to be harder to stay pregnant. These are the things that we're the messages about our fertility, especially as women that we're bombarded with every day. But what we have to remember is that this is about averages and normal curves. And there are a lot of people who don't follow the normal curve. In fact, average, the average doesn't represent any one person very well. It represents the aggregate mm -hmm. well. And so it's really important to remember that we can be very different from what we see on average, but it's about our epigenetics. And that's what allows us to be a positive outlier when it comes to our reproductive age, our reproductive span and our lifespan, which is intimately tied to our fertility actually. Mm, mm. Yeah. I learned a long time ago not to pay attention to averages because even when you go and get blood work, like your thyroid tested, the, what yes. they call the normal range is not necessarily optimal. It's just, it's exactly. just normal. And so, you know, we have to think about, okay, well, what's really optimal? I don't want to just be average. I don't want to just be in the normal. I want to be optimal. And, and epigenetics is one of that ways that we can be optimal because like you said, we can't change our genes, but through our lifestyle, we can change our gene expression and reduce reproductive aging. So let's go into that because I'm sure a lot of people yeah. are like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, I can yes. reduce my, re that's not what my doctor said. So what is she talking yes. about? Yes. Yes. So this is really important. And you use such a great example about your, your thyroid labs and how averages on our labs, like when you see the normal range, it's based on the normal curve of everyone who's been tested or a certain sample of the population who has been tested. And most of those people are not feeling well and they're getting tested for a reason. So that normal curve is not representing the optimal range. You're exactly yeah. right about mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So reproductive aging and reversing it, how can we do it specifically? Well, the first thing that I, so this is such a, an important question and I'm so glad we're talking about it. It's not talked about an, enough. We always hear as women, we were born with all the eggs that we are ever going to have. That is the state of our scientific understanding and knowledge right now. It will not be shocking if we find out that perhaps this isn't the case. But as of right now, this is all we know to be true. So we're born with all the eggs we're ever going to have. In fact, we were in our grandmother's womb. We were eggs in our mother's ovaries when she was just a 20-week-old fetus in her mother's womb. And so by the time we're born, we've already lost a bunch of eggs. And then over the course of our lives, 
we just, our, our egg reserves get lower and lower and our egg quality gets lower and lower. This is what we're told day in and day out. So there are a few things that are really important to understand here. Egg quality, just like sperm quality, is an epigenetic process. And the reason for this is because if since we have our eggs all along, how our grandmother was living, how our mother was living, and how we are living, not just when we're ready to get pregnant, but longer term, uh, has been influencing our egg quality all along. But here's the really important part. Our eggs do not fully develop or mature until right before they are going to be released, about 150 days before they are going to be released, and especially in the last 120 days. That is one of the primary reasons why the Primester Protocol is a minimum of 120 days for most people. There can be modifications to this timeline for people. And by the way, if you're someone who knows that you want to have children a year from now or two years from now, this is a beautiful start time to start mm -hmm. primestering because we do see a dose response relationship of primestering to outcomes, meaning the longer the primester, even better for your, your own fertility and longevity and also for your super baby. So you want your primester to be a minimum of 120 days usually because of the egg quality piece in addition to uterine quality and immune system and inflammation in the body. I don't know if we'll have time to talk about all of those things mm -hmm. today, but those are some of the primary drivers of the 120 day period. And then there are other things on the, on the male side as well, like sperm quality. And then some of them are go across genders like immune function and inflammation and the microbiome, et cetera. So we want to remember that our egg quality is an epigenetic process because in the last 120 days, we can powerfully influence how our eggs finalize their maturation process and how healthy they are when they're released in the process of ovulation. So that is one of the most important things to remember in reducing, uh, in reducing our reproductive age, because almost always automatically, whether you're talking to a friend, whether you're talking to an, an OBGYN, whether you're talking to an IVF doctor, everybody's going to be concerned about age of the age of a woman because of the quality of her eggs and the number of eggs that she has left. So we know that we have the ability to influence the quality of our eggs. Do we have the ability to influence the quantity of our eggs? We don't have a clear answer to that, but we have some suggestive evidence. So this goes back to the idea that we're born with all the eggs we're ever going to have. And that is the state of our knowledge now. That's all we can say at this point. However, what we see day in and day out is that there is an indicator called anti-malarian hormone. It, we often refer to it as AMH. And this, most people, if they go and ask their doctor um, to get a sense of their fertility, this is what they're going to measure, they, their AMH level. And what we see is that we can improve AMH level and that it correlates or corresponds to the number of antral follicles that can be seen in a transvaginal ultrasound. Mm. So whether we can influence the quantity 
of eggs. I don't know that we can increase the overall number of eggs that we have left. At this point, we think no. But what we do seem to be able to do is to influence the number of eggs that we have on deck to be released in upcoming ovulation. So that's called our functional ovarian reserve. So we do seem to have the ability to do that based on AMH levels, based on antral follicle count levels, also based on FSH levels, follicular stimulating hormone. So it's really important to remember that if you get a, a diagnosis of premature ovarian failure or low AMH and you're told basically you have very few eggs left or you've had repeated miscarriage or even just one miscarriage, but especially repeated miscarriage. And then the conclusion is that your egg quality is poor due to your age, that all of these can be influenced for the better through primestering. And it's really important. That's one of the primary ways that you're going to be reversing your reproductive age. There are also other pathways through the immune system, through inflammation in the body, and through how the digestive system is working, and also through the central nervous system. Mm. And we'll talk a little bit about all of those, but I want everybody listening right now that may their minds already may be getting blown and you have a gazillion <laughs> questions. <laughs> yes. The Primesto Protocol, you can go to christinehasler.com slash Dr. Cleo. We just abbreviated her beautiful full name, Cleopatra. <laughs> um, awesome. Just for, for easy typing in, less obstacles yeah. to, the, yeah. to the site. Um, and you can get access to her Primesto Protocol. It's an eight-week course and we'll talk about the different elements in it in a moment, but it is so comprehensive. It answers all your questions. She's an incredible teacher. I would recommend personally and because yes. we love learning about like it's biohacking in a lot of ways. It's, it's yes. really learning so many levels of how to, because if you reduce reproductive aging, that is an anti-aging thing. You know, you're exactly right. You're reducing your overall age yeah. as well. Yeah. You're, you're not just talking, this isn't just to have babies. This is actually such a health hack because the body, you know, if it's not healthy, it's not going to reproduce as long and as well. But if it is, then, you know, I just was reading about the 57 year old woman here in the U S who gave birth, yes. who was like a crossfitter and a runner yes. and she was just super healthy. And it's like, okay, well, you know, the body can do, amazing things if we if we really treat it well. And so that's what the primester goes over and you get everything from the the psychological things to unpack because everybody that listens to the show knows that we have our limiting beliefs and our old traumas and our old stories mm -hmm. that get in the way of our biology. Um the, the physical things we need to do, the diet things, how we track our cycle because a lot of um people with cycles we don't even really truly understand our cycle and truly understand yes. our most fertile days. And then, you know, what, what we need to do, I think I already said diet. Um, but why don't you go through a little bit, Dr. Cleopatra, of what the Primester Protocol includes and the different levels that you work on? Yes, absolutely. And what you said is so, so important. It, even just the example of we, we often don't understand our cycles and what it means to be able to be fertile and to be able to get pregnant because we're told from such a young age that it's going to be so easy to get pregnant that, that every day we better watch out and yeah. make sure that we don't get pregnant without meaning to when actually conceiving is a very low probability event unless you 
can identify your fertile window with near perfect precision, which is one of the things that we teach in the Primester Protocol. We teach that at level two of the fertility pyramid. So I'll just run through the fertility pyramid and then we could talk a little bit more about that, the identification of your fertile window because it's so important. So we conceptualize fertility as a complex network or system that's influenced by all of the systems and organs in the body, including the brain, which is really the most important reproductive organ. And we we uh, conceptualize the fertility system as the fertility pyramid, and we work at five levels in the fertility pyramid. So they include the psychosexual level, which is the base of the fertility pyramid because it's that important, the bioecological level, which we've already talked about a little bit in talking about reproductive age and egg quality and egg quantity and also fertile window, but there's so much more that is included at this level of the fertility pyramid as well. And then the third level is the neuroimmunological level. And then the fourth and fifth levels are the social and cultural levels. So each of these levels has their own, they're multivariate. So they have various levels or various variables that we work with at each of these levels. But it's really important to note that it's kind of arbitrary to make these distinctions because they're so interrelated. And that's what we need to remember about our fertility system and the complex network that makes up our fertility. So if you imagine in your mind what it looks like, the neural network in the brain looks like, or a cell phone network, if you've seen a picture on a commercial and you see how there are all of these connections. And there may be a few hubs, but there are all these connections branching out from and um, within the hubs. And that's how our fertility network or system works as well. And I love what you said about reproductive age, not chronological age. So so let's go there because I know that's a huge question because that's a question I get from women. Like, cause I share my story yeah. about how I froze my eggs when I was, I can't remember, 34 or 35, something like yeah. that. And yeah. women ask me, should I do this? Am I too old? I'm 42. Is that too old to have a baby? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me find an expert who actually really knows. <laughs> Intuitively, I don't think so because I think age is, it's a number and it really depends on how you've lived your life, not how yeah. many years you've been on the planet. So when you get asked the question, how old is too old to conceive naturally or to have a baby, how do you answer that? My answer is that this is entirely individual. So we let's let's talk about a parallel process, which is lifespan. And we know that the average lifespan for a woman in the United States of America where I live is 81 years old at this time. And we also know that there are some people who are going to live much shorter than those 81 years. And there are some people who are going to live much longer than those 81 years. And the same thing goes for our reproductive span and for our fertility. So on average, we know that fertility starts to decline for women around the age of 35. There's a more precipitous decline around the age of 37. And then again, at the age of 40, there's a change that happens after the age of 44. And if you go to an IVF clinic, then if you are 
somewhere around 45 or 46 years old, that would be the cutoff for eligibility for use um, of your own eggs with IVF. But you might be a 45-year-old or 46-year-old who is incredibly healthy, and you may have plenty of eggs left. And your eggs, especially if you primestered, may be of great quality and it might be very easy to get pregnant naturally and it might be very easy to get multiple healthy embryos with an IVF process. So it's really very individual and I would say that there are a lot of people and let me ask, let me ask you this. What do you think for yourself? Do you think that you uh, that you are healthier now than you were at the age of 34 when you froze your eggs or were you yes. healthier then? Yes, totally healthier now. Okay. So in that case and and most of us those of us who are into interested in biohacking, interested in getting better and developing and evolving and building a life and a family and and health that we feel really excited about are getting better in many ways as we're getting older because we get we are more informed, we're smarter, we're taking better care of ourselves, we have more resources to invest in taking care of ourselves, a number of factors. And so it's not surprising to hear someone say, I am so much healthier now in my 40s than I was in my 20s or 30s. And in fact, I am so much healthier in my 40s than most people mm -hmm. are in their 20s and 30s, right? Mm -hmm. So it is a very individual process. The In the Guinness Book of World Records, the oldest verified natural conception was to a 59-year-old woman. Hmm. So... And, and remember that records are always changing. So that doesn't even mean that that's the upper limit because the right. upper limit is always changing, just like the upper limit of lifespan is always changing. Yep. So we know that it's humanly possible to get pregnant at the age of 59. And it's probably humanly possible to get pregnant in your 60s as well, especially if you're someone who's healthy and who's going to live a long time. In fact, there was a study of centenarians that showed that women who had children at the age of 33 or later were two times as likely to live to the age of 90 as women who finished having their children before the age of 30. Now, wow. there is a factor of socioeconomic resources here. There has to be a factor of, so of socioeconomic resources here in this picture. But what it also shows us is that those of us who are able to reproduce later on in our life, later on in our reproductive span, and who continue to get healthier as we get older are also much li more likely to live longer. So mm -hmm. I, we have this, I have a beautiful client who's also become a really close friend, Shanda Sumter. And I, I share that because she speaks openly about being one of our clients. And she has said to me, I want you to come in and teach us all how to trimester for longevity, because mm -hmm. it basically could be a process of longevity as well. But it's, of course, focused on our, our reproductive longevity. Yes. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. really doing it for both reasons. And mm -hmm. I want to say something about why I think I'm healthier. Yes, I, please do. I might have looked, I was probably in better shape then. <laughs> but, <laughs> you um, and me both, girlfriend. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I, my adrenals were tapped. 
I was yes. stressed. I wasn't mm-hmm. cycling. I yeah. um, hadn't remembered some some trauma that I had locked deep, deep away. I mm. hadn't really detoxed heavy metals at all. I was still drinking yes. out of plastic water bottles. Um, yes. I was flying on planes all the time and I yeah. was running myself to the ground and then just drinking coffee. So, yeah. and I would have my green juice and all that type of thing. And I, I was way healthier than most people. I mean, at least I was the one on the plane, not having the hot fudge Sunday, but yeah. I, I still, it was, it was the emotional, it was the cortisol. It was the emotional adrenal nervous system. Like even though I might've been healthy in my diet and my exercise, my nervous system was not healthy. And so I'd really love for you to talk for a moment. Um, well, actually, before I ask you that, I just want to emphasize something that you said, which is that we can't just rely on chronological age. So for people out there who are 35, 37, 42, 45, who are are freaking out and who've been told a lot of disempowering things by doctors who are not mean and who don't mean harm, but just aren't educated to the degree that Dr. Cleopatra is. Like they just aren't. They're going on information that is just fed to them or that they learned in medical school. And it's limited. It's very limited. And hopefully that's all changing. And I know that's part of your mission. Yes. But it's, it's, and this is part of the Primester Protocol, like you got to get deprogram yourself. Just like on this show, we work with limiting beliefs. We work with Something like, you know, your dad told you you weren't smart when you were eight years old and your whole life you've struggled because you let this one person make you believe something about yourself. We have a lot of beliefs about our fertility that's that are planted in our mind. And it's really important to take our power back and choose what we want to believe and mm-hmm. know that, um, yeah, if we're 85 years old, probably not going to have a child yeah. naturally. There yeah. is some reality to aging in this and there's a lot we can do. And the stress about aging and the stress about your fertility and the pressure you may be putting on yourself to get into relationship, this is segueing me to my question that I left yeah. before. The, so the, much the, so the, juicy. <laughs> oh my God. The stress you're putting on yourself in your life and especially about your fertility could be having adverse effects on your fertility, the very thing you're trying to preserve. So yes bringing me back to the question of please talk about how our stress, how our beliefs about ourselves, how our thoughts, how our nervous system impacts our fertility. Oh, so good. This is so important. I This is why the psychosexual level of the fertility pyramid is the base of the pyramid because it is that foundational. It's that critical. And I just want to, I want to back up to something that you said before I go into that about, about what we're hearing and that people do not mean harm by spreading this information, but people are not engaging with the information and with data that deeply. And they're also not making it their life's mission to stay current on Mm -hmm. emerging data and putting pieces and puzzles together. And that that's why we're that's why my perspective is so revolutionary, because we do that, because I have dedicated my life to doing that, not just doing the science, conducting the science, but also 
bridging areas of inquiry and knowledge that haven't been bridged before and staying up to date. So we are always updating the Primester protocol because the state of our knowledge is always changing. Like I said, at this moment, the state of our scientific understanding is that we're born with all the eggs that we're ever going to have and that we are not producing any new eggs during our lifetime. And it may be that one day the state of our knowledge is such that it seems so primitive that we used to believe that. And we have lots of examples of this kind of evolution of our, our knowledge. And when, when someone is in medical school and then goes on to practice, it is not necessarily part of their day-to-day practice to stay up to date, to conduct the science or stay up to date on the science. In fact, we have a medical intern at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute right now. She'll be going on to her residency in OBGYN. She just matched. We're so proud of her, uh, Natalie. And she she always says, they, I, I didn't learn anything about epigenetics in medical school. Mm. I didn't learn anything wow. about this. And it's so important that I know this. And now she's going to go on and help people in obstetrics and gynecology in such a, a profound way because she has this information in addition to her traditional training. And I hope she'll come back after her residency and work with us. Mm-hmm. But it, but whatever she does, she's going to do amazing things in the world because she has an understanding that most OBGYNs just don't have, just don't get trained in. So I just want to, I really want to highlight that, that this is so important mm-hmm. that we engage because it might sound like we're being optimistic means that we don't have our feet planted firmly on the ground, that we don't are, we aren't rooted in the evidence, but actually being rooted in the data and the evidence is what allows us to be optimistic about what's possible for us as individuals, even if at the aggregate, there's one pattern. And that's why it's, this is just so critical and I'm so passionate about it. Uh, and, and why we will never start having an, equal parts love and science at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, because Mm. one without the other just isn't sufficient, in my opinion. So talking about the central nervous system and talking about this example of you, Christine, of how you are so much healthier now because you were so, you are driving yourself so hard and you were so burnt out. And even, even if on the outside, you looked like you were in better shape that on, on the inside, your body was clearly struggling. Your brain was clearly struggling because you weren't cycling and your adrenals were burnt out. And our central nervous system is such an important part of our fertility system of that, that complex network that makes up our fertility and our, there are these feedback loops between our sex and our stress hormones. And that means that when our stress hormones become, they, they're, they're driving us at all times that our sex hormones are becoming dysregulated. And we see a pattern of, of 
diurnal cortisol rhythms that are dysregulated, whether it's a blunted cortisol rhythm or it's too low in the morning and then it's getting higher over the course of the day as opposed to the reverse. Our cortisol is the stress hormone that a lot of people are familiar with. And it's the, it's the hormone that mobilizes energy, that mobilizes us for readiness, for readiness for the day and for readiness to fight or flee or freeze to escape a threat. And so when when we are having a normal cortisol rhythm, a healthy cortisol rhythm, we see that our cortisol goes up in the morning because it's mobilizing our energy for waking up and getting the day started. And then it goes down over the course of the day and it should be low as we're getting ready to go to bed in the evening. And we see in our our population and our mamas and papas and parents of all genders that we that there's a lot of dysregulation in cortisol and in the adrenal in adrenal function and in the HPA axis more broadly the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal cortical axis which is our body stress response system but again is also principally involved in the production of our sex hormones and in the balance of our sex hormones so the hypothalamus in the brain and the pituitary gland in the brain initiate the production of many of our sex hormones and our our cycle. And so when we are in fight or flight or freeze chronically, it's one of the first things that we'll see is that this becomes dysregulated and that there's a problem with the balance of sex hormones. There's a problem with the cycle. But even if you're not noticing, even if you don't know that you're not having a cycle, you don't realize that there's anovulation or that ovulation isn't happening regularly, if the brain is perceiving that there are not enough resources to keep you safe and secure and alive and also to reproduce and, and to funnel the large amount of resources that are needed to allow you to get and stay pregnant and to grow another human being, what will happen is that the brain in its intelligence and its sophistication will put reproduction on the back burner. It will make it much harder for you to get and or stay pregnant. And that is for what it believes to be your safety and your survival. Mm -hmm. And so we have to remember that reproduction is very costly and that the brain's job is to keep us safe and to keep us alive. And it will suppress functions that are very costly, parasympathetic functions, including reproduction, including immune function, including digestion in order to keep us safe and secure. Just like when you're very stressed out, it you're more likely to get a stomach ache. You're more likely to have difficulty digesting food. You're more likely to have problems with going, going poop. Either you're going too much or you're not going enough. That's this or same thing with your immune system. When you're stressed out, you're more likely to catch a cold. It's the same thing happening. Those functions, which are very costly, digestion, immunity, are being put on the back burner. So they're not working as well. And the same thing goes with our reproduction. It's so true. And this is this is the stuff that's not talked about. It's like, yes. oh, just make sure you get pregnant before you're 35 and you'll be fine. And yes. a lot of people are being really misled because this is health. And now people may be thinking, okay, well, I know lots of people who aren't healthy who have children. Yes, yes that's true again. But we're talking, we're talking about you want to have 
you want to set your child up for success too. So you don't want well, to let- just be able to have a baby, right? Yes. I'm, I, I didn't mean to, to interrupt no, no, there. And I just, I got so excited about that. And I, I wanted to say, let's talk about that a little yeah. bit more. Cause I think that that's really important. So we have this um, beautiful couple we're working with and they're also very public. So I can say their names. Uh, we're, we're super committed to confidentiality. So only if people share publicly, do I share, but, uh, Danica Brysha and Billy Haley, they're a beautiful couple we're working with. And I remember, and Billy has shared about this publicly as well, that he was like, well, can't we just have sex and get pregnant? You know, like everybody else. And the, the thing is that you can just have sex and get pregnant like everybody else. And we, we can do what everybody else is doing, but let me just walk you through a little bit of what's happening as a result of what everybody's doing. What's happening as a result of what everybody's doing is that we have these growing epidemics of obesity and type 2 diabetes and type 3 diabetes, which is Alzheimer's. And we, for the first time in history, have a life expectancy that's declining instead of growing Mm. because of these epidemics. And these conditions, obesity, diabetes, type 2 and type 3 diabetes, and by the way, type F diabetes, F for fertility, is an extension of type 2 and type 3 diabetes that shows up before those other ones do. So if someone's having fertility challenges, they want to address those challenges, not just for the sake of their fertility and their super babies, but also so that they can prevent the type 2 and type 3 diabetes that would be coming down the line otherwise. And so these epidemics are being conditioned and programmed in utero and during the primester, meaning these epidemics that are popping up now, they're showing up now as as life expectancy that's actually declining instead of growing. We're being conditioned, we're being programmed and put into motion in our parents' primester and Mm -hmm. in our grandparents' primester. And so if we don't, put our, our feet down and say that we are committed to intercepting these processes that were put in motion generations ago, it is going to be catastrophic generations from now. Mm -hmm. And we do not want to allow that to happen to our children, our grandchildren. I sure as hell don't. And it's up to us to stop that now, to intercept that process now. And that's what we have the ability to do by taking advantage of the trimester as opposed to doing what everybody else does, which is just having sex and getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there are, it's a greater sorry, responsibility. No, I love this because it's another thing. I often talk about this with people like we need a license to drive. We need a passport to go to another country, but we don't need anything to reproduce. No education, no, nothing, no health certificate, nothing. And I'm not saying that should be monitored or we shouldn't have the freedom to do that, but that is the one that is like one of the most, is the most important thing that many of us choose to do. And that's the legacy we're leaving. And those are the humans we're creating. So it makes sense to me that we should take that a little more seriously in terms of the genes that we're passing on and how those are expressing. Yes. And I think it's just because most people don't know. Most people don't know that they have the ability to shape how their genes express themselves, which will 
help to determine whether they do or don't get the diseases that are so common in their families and also will determine how likely their children and grandchildren are to get those diseases that are so common in their families. And I think that something that you've highlighted here is so important about taking it seriously and the not and but taking something seriously doesn't mean to, that it can't be fun or mm-hmm. joyful because we want the trimester to be so fun and joyful in fact our one of our foundational mantras is that we're stepping into peace and pleasure as much as possible every single moment of every single day and people might hear the word pleasure and be like oh yeah that's cute if you have time for it but actually you want to treat pleasure as if your fertility depends on it mm-hmm. because it does and you really want to treat pleasure as if living well and living a good life depends on it because it does so just because we're taking it seriously doesn't mean that it has to be like hard or, or that it can't be fun. It can be so beautiful. Mm. And we want to be so intentional about ensuring that it's peaceful and it's pleasurable Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful because that is, is powerfully impacting Mm. our genetic expression and everything else that we do in life that we value, that we think is important, that we value for our future we prepare for, we prepare for taking the SAT. We, we plan out our major, we plan out our wedding day. We plan out what we're going to wear to a special event. Well, I'm not that good at doing that, honestly, (laughs) but, but I, I find myself planning like this few minutes before I leave the house. But the point is that, that we plan, we spend time thinking about and planning for things that are far less significant for today and for the future and for the state and soul of our planet. And we don't, we don't have a culture of doing that for making our babies. And that is just mind boggling. And so we don't want to do it like everybody else does. And we especially don't want to do it like everybody else does. If we are experiencing any health problems or mental health problems or fertility challenges, And we also don't want to do it like everyone else does, even if we think that we are already taking really great care of ourselves, that we eat clean, that we drink our green juice, that we work out. Like you were saying, you had all the trappings of someone who looked like they were taking great care of Mm -hmm. themselves and would Mm -hmm. be ready, right? But there, but it's it. There's so much more to it. In fact, we have so many doctors and nutritionists and people who who teach about health and, and live healthy lifestyles, trimestering, because it is so much more than that. And a big part of it is something that you already alluded to, which is updating our programming, Mm -hmm. updating our programming about what we believe about fertility, what we believe about our reproductive potential and what we believe is possible for us. And even when we're drinking green juice, we're, we, most of us are still having these chronic ruminations and thoughts on, on repeat about what's not possible for us or all the things we're afraid of. And will, will our biological clock last long enough to meet the right person, all those things. And the thing to do is to get into intelligent action and not Mm -hmm. spend that energy and effort worrying and beating up the, our HPA axis and beating ourselves up, right? Get into intelligent action do the things that are within our power 
to preserve our fertility for as long as possible instead of spending that time worrying about it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And maybe I, we should take it sacredly and, and thoughtfully. It doesn't have to be serious. It can, it can just be thoughtful I love and sacred. I, I yeah. love that. I'm, I'm going to borrow that from you, sacred. <laughs> yeah. Take it sacredly and thoughtfully. I, I love that so much. And really it is about this deliberate and intentional process of stepping into our reproductive potential and stepping into our motherhood because we we teach about the mommy life cycle and the parenting life cycle at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute because we want everybody to understand that we are building the life and the health that our children will have long before they we conceive them. Mm. And their their health and aging process begins long before they're born and long before we conceive them. Mm. And so we want to do that intentionally and deliberately as we, we approach the time that we are going to conceive them. And as we transition into the following stages of the mommy life cycle and the parenting life cycle. Yeah. And I also want to say your work in the primester protocol is good for someone that's deciding if they want kids, because so much of what you go through helps you identify what you really want, your fear. Mm -hmm. Dr. Cleopatra walks you through all of that. So if you're really struggling, like I was, with whether or not you wanted a child, Mm -hmm. that's great. It's also great for someone if you're years off, if like we were saying, you don't have your person, but you want longevity, you want to preserve your fertility, you want to be healthier, you want to feel better. I also would say, and this brings me to my next question, that it would be good for anyone who may have a lot of menstrual issues, endometriosis, PCOS. Can you talk a little bit, or maybe have been on birth control for years and wants Mm -hmm. to get off of it. Can you talk a little bit about how the Primester Protocol helps people with things like PCOS, endometriosis, and also um, hormonal birth control and people that may want to be starting to get off of that? Absolutely. So these are really common things that we we are dealing with and working with every single day. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is PCOS and endometriosis and fibroids and other hormonal imbalances. All of these things are incredibly common. People who have been on hormonal birth control, the pill or, or otherwise for years or over a decade uh, are all come to us to regulate their cycles, to, to work on their, the symptoms. And they come to us to work on the symptoms, but what the primester protocol is really doing is working at the, at the root the and room, yeah. getting at the root causes of these things because root causes of these, these common fertility challenges include the, the HPA dysregulation that we talked about, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenocortical axis issues with the, with digestion, which is the mother of fertility. Most people don't know about that. No, no doctor out there other than us will tell you that. And yet the digestion and the microbiome are so critically important and are often affected in, in conditions of PCOS and endometriosis and fibroids, for example, and also the immune system, how um, autoimmunity, how your body is responding to foods that you're consuming and your environment and other kinds of exposures. All of these things are strongly influencing the the 
symptoms and underlying issues that contribute to polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis and other common fertility challenges. So we see great resolution of the symptoms and of the conditions and of the indicators that become thrown off by those conditions. For example, hormone readings, um, uh, how somebody's cycle looks, how long, how long their periods lasting, the days that follow, how long their luteal phases, all of those things. So it's really, really important to, to work at the root cause instead of just trying to mask the symptoms to get where you want to go to get yourself from point A to point B. Mm, mm. I think that's so key because <laughs> we live in mostly a medical community that treats symptoms again, because mm-hmm. of, of not because anyone's bad or wrong or doctors are bad people. It's just, it's a system that has flaws and there's not a lot of time doctors can spend. There's a lot of lack of education. And so we have to be proactive about our health and find resources that's why I'm so excited that I found you, Dr. Cleopatra. Find Thank resources you. that help us get yeah. to root cause so we feel really mm-hmm. empowered with our health because, you know, especially for someone that's struggling with fibroids or endometriosis or PCOS, it can feel, one, so overwhelming and so debilitating those symptoms, but two, like really wonder if you ever can have a baby because of yes. that. And it adds a whole nother layer of stress, which doesn't help at all. So is, so is there hope for people that have, that, that struggle with this? Can they be free of things like endometriosis? Yes, 100%. 100%. I'm thinking as we're speaking of this beautiful mama who has, who had, was considered infertile for almost two decades and had both PCOS and endometriosis. And her endometriosis was so debilitating and she is virtually symptom free and Mm -hmm. it is so incredible. And, you know, another mama who very recently, um, she's, she must be in her third trimester of pregnancy now. And, uh, she had very severe endometriosis that was all over the scar tissue all over the place. And, she had an excision surgery and when they were were in there afterward the surgeon said I, you know i don't think it's possible for you from what i saw in there for you to have children and she's in her third trimester and she got pregnant on the first cycle of wow. of of in her conception phase as we call it of the trimester uh which was so incredible but even more than that i want to say so i yes it is possible to be free of those things. And even things that we think of as being, you know, basically a death sentence, something like MS, multiple sclerosis. I'm thinking of this incredible mama who had repeated miscarriage over many years, went, did IVF multiple times and her levels were, AMH was so low. They just said, basically, you're in premature ovarian failure. You have hardly any eggs left. It's not going to be possible to have another biological child. She already had one child and she, and they just chalked it up to her autoimmune disease. She has MS and she, I mean, she said, you know, science told me that it wasn't, or the, the medical science 
that was given to me told me that it wasn't humanly possible for me to have another child. And Dr. C said, well, we know you can get pregnant and stay pregnant. We just need to make sure that that happens again. We can do this. And she, she got pregnant and just nobody could believe it. Mm. And she got pregnant one or two cycles after her trimester. So either the first or second cycle, it was truly amazing and beautiful. And not only did she get pregnant, but her MS symptoms got so much better as a result Mm. of primestering. So yes, it is possible. Mm, I love that. You have so many. I could, I could just do an hour podcast with you about inspirational stories 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 that just like completely prove so much of what we've been told wrong. You know, so many mamas in their forties, so many mamas that were told they could never have children, so, so many true. mamas who, who primestered and then met their person and were like yes. so ready yes. to go. So just, yes. just beautiful stories. Um, as we yes, start to I, wrap up. I know. I feel so thankful. Oh, yeah. Well, you're doing incredible, incredible work. It's just, it's just beautiful. Um, so as we start to wrap up, Dr. Cleopatra, I've mentioned some of the things that the trimester covers, uh, but could you dive into it a little bit deeper in in terms of things people are going to be learning? Because I think, and I was even one of these women, a lot of women Mm -hmm. think I'm healthy. I know I've detoxed. I've done this. Like I, you know, follow a MAPS diet or a FODMAPS diet or whatever that thing is called, right? I do my intermittent (laughs) fasting or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So can you break down some of the specifics of things that we'll learn in the trimester protocol that we really don't learn anywhere else? Yes, absolutely. Well, so I just want to say that there's something really important about having uh, a system with a specific sequencing and duration that has been tested and refined over and over again so that you know that all you need to do is take the next best step right in front of you. You don't, as my husband would say, my beautiful hubby, you don't have to be clever. You don't have to invent something. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to try to estimate for yourself or anticipate for yourself. It's there. It's all laid out for you. And it works almost every single time. In our last study, 95.8% of women and couples were pregnant within 12 months mm. of primestering. And these That's are... That's incredible. It, That's just it incredible. Is, it is incredible. And it is even more incredible when you, if you knew the the level of complexity and, and the odds that seem to be stacked against us in so many of the cases, not all of them. Some people come just to optimize. There's no expectation of fertility challenges whatsoever. They come to not do what everybody else is doing as we talked about earlier. But I would say at least 80% at this point are still until the world, more of the world knows about the trimester and is taking advantage of that knowledge for the sake of their own longevity and that of their super babies and super grandbabies. I would say that at this time, at least 80% are experiencing very severe fertility challenges. They haven't been able to get pregnant for months, years, a decade, up to two decades. 
And so those, those odds are incredible and they don't have to figure it out. They can just follow the steps and rest assured, be peaceful and happy and have fun and take it, (laughs) take it thoughtfully. And as you were saying, because they can just follow the steps that get put in front of them instead of going down the rabbit hole of Google or trying to read the studies themselves and put the pieces together. Well, I should take this supplement at this time and, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that's so critically important. We really think about the Primester protocol as preventative medicine for our fertility, meaning that we do these preventative steps so that we don't ever have to be in struggle around our fertility. And that's so important. But while you're doing that and you're just following the steps, the next step that's put in front of you, you are learning about your, the mother of your fertility in the most intricate way you have ever known, your digestion, your microbiome, how to increase its richness and diversity, how to take care of your immune system, how to reduce levels of inflammation and, and immune activation and autoimmune activation in the body, how to use your brain and your central nervous system in service of your fertility and longevity, how to manage the two most important epigenetic inputs, which are nutrients and thoughts. And I would say thoughts are number one and nutrients are number two because of the frequency with which those pieces of information are put into our system. And I I would say that psychological habits and hygiene are among some of the most important things that you learn in the Primester Protocol and really updating your operating system as far as your fertility is concerned, but also just how how you look at yourself. We collect a ton of data on our families and they always report incredible increases in their relationship quality, which which was really not and not exactly intentional on our part, but is always, always a result of doing the primester protocol. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and they always report improvements in their self-esteem, in their mental health, in their physical health, obviously in their reproductive health, also in work-life balance and their professional aspirations in life. So there's really no part of the primester protocol that, um, or no part of your life that is left untouched in the primester protocol, because all of the parts of our lives and ourselves and our relationships affect our fertility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. So Everybody, you can go check it out at, again, christinehasler.com slash Dr. Cleo, C-L-E-O. And where can where else can people connect with you and learn more and maybe get some free resources? Absolutely. We have an incredible resource, Christine. It's called the Ultimate Fertility Checklist, and it's incredible for you, whether you're someone who's trying to get, wanting to get pregnant right now, or you're someone who wants to get pregnant a couple years down the road and you just want to start learning and being more literate about your cycle and your fertility and your biological clock. So you can get the fertility checklist. It's totally free and it's at fertilitypregnancy.org forward slash checklist and checklist is one word. So it's fertilitypregnancy.org 
forward slash checklist and it's the ultimate fertility checklist. And it is, it has some incredible information that you have never learned before about your fertility and your cycle. Mm, I love that. And everybody make sure you grab that again, check out the Primester protocol and follow Dr. Cleopatra on Instagram, take screenshots of this episode, share it, get this and her work out to as many people as possible. She's been in the lab researching all this stuff for 20 years and she's coming out in the last year or two. And so we want to help get her work in front of more people, um, especially women who are really stressing out and feel hopeless and and terrified. I, I know when I was, before I met my husband, I just was like, felt like time was running out, you know, even though I had froze my eggs, there was a part of me that still wanted to do it naturally. And now yeah. with the help of you, as we step into that, I, I, yeah. I believe that that's a possibility for us. It so, is a possibility mm-hmm. for you. It is. And I, I want all of us as women and people of all genders to remember that getting to have the life and the families that we've always dreamt of having is an act of rebellion because if we do what everyone has done then chances are we don't get to have the life and the family that we've dreamt of having in the way that we dream of having them so we we encourage your rebellion we support your rebellion mm, mm, i love that and for the woman who um is sad hopeless stressed out really wanting a baby and feeling like maybe yes. it won't ever happen for her, what would you say? I would say to you that there is almost always a way, almost always a way. And so if you have a yearning to have a baby, I believe that that yearning is meant for you and that baby is meant for you. And so I know it can be scary to, to get back up and try again and take a step again when it feels like nothing else has worked. But I would urge you to step up just one more time, get up one more time and take that step forward. Even if your knees are wobbling, because there's almost always a way for you. There really is. So don't, don't give up. Don't Mm -hmm. give up and don't stop believing in yourself and, and believe in the timing of your life, in the timing of your baby, in the timing of your body. Trust, trust yourself again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, trust your body too. I think a lot of us have a yes. love-hate relationship with our body. And especially yes. if you've had chronic health conditions, we think the body is the enemy. We're just waiting for the next thing to go wrong with the body. And It's true. Yeah. And fertility and pregnancy and any issues with a reproductive system can bring up a lot of shame and hopelessness. So thank you for that. Thank you for reminding us that, yes, that it's, that so much is possible and it may not look the way we thought and it may not happen on the timeline we expected, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen in the most aligned way for us. It's so true. And I'll just add this. I don't think I ever shared this before, have ever shared this before because I think it's, it's a little bit hard to share because it, it almost, feels like kind of screw off, but it, to me, um, but, but I, I think that what's so amazing is that what we see every day is when we get news of a new preg- positive pregnancy test, we almost always hear 
I'm so thankful for how this happened because it gave me so much. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said, I feel like somebody could be listening right now and be like, screw you to me, you know? Um, and I would understand that. And I think that's why I've never shared it before, but I really felt in this moment called to share it because while I see, because I walk so intimately and have walked so intimately with so many families now over the past 24 and a half years that in the middle of it, the experience of fertility challenges, it feels like it, it takes everything away from you. It strips you of your dignity and your joy and your hope and your belief and everything. And then somehow, especially those who really answer the call to go deep into their process and developing themselves. And that once that they get that pregnancy test, that positive pregnancy test, somehow they, they feel like they have gotten so much from this experience. And so and to anyone who may be feeling right now, like they've lost everything on account of this, I, I want to say to you that with all my heart, I cannot wait for the day that I hear you say that I'm so thankful for how everything worked out and it's even better than I imagined. Mm. That's a beautiful place to end. Thank you so much, Dr. Cleopatra. Thank you, Christine, so much for having me. Thank you to you who is listening right now.